0: Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM
1: 89.3. We're starting to see signs of the storm that pushed natural gas prices higher. Due to the potential energy shortage starting to ease, with supplies from Russia to Europe slowly but surely starting to normalize once again, and also gas future contracts across various markets coming down from recent highs. But there are still a couple of questions. How did we get to this potential energy shortage ahead of what might be a colder winter in the northern hemisphere? And what are some of the lessons we've learned from this episode and the questions we should ask moving forward? Well, today, on Monday FM 89.3, we're going to take a deeper look at the oil and gas markets and how we got to this position. And we're joined by Dr. Ferudun Fesharaki, who is the chairman and founder of FGE, to help us understand what transpired and what we can learn moving forward. Dr. Fesharaki, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. And welcome back to the show. It's been a while, sir, and I hope you've been well. Thank you. I'd like to ask, first of all, you know, if you've ever seen a shortage in natural gas of this magnitude on multiple fronts, can you give us a better understanding perhaps of how natural gas markets also got to this place of shortage ahead of the winter months?
0: But let me explain first that commodities are very volatile. Oil market is not so volatile because it has OPEC, and OPEC keeps things in boundaries, where there is 60 to $80 range, which seems to be their boundary at the moment. But natural gas uh, on the spot market doesn't have any boundaries. It can go up anywhere, up and down, and there are no sort of regulators to keep it in check. But you buy natural gas in two different ways. Uh, One is to buy it on an oil index basis. And in Asia, 75% of existing contracts, including most of the Singapore contracts are oil indexed. So if they go, they don't go up very high, the high prices that you see in the market don't really apply to Singapore as such because Singapore does not buy heavily from the spot market but it is dependent on the long term contracts so it is to, to do with what kind of contract you have and people like uh, the chinese they have a lot of long term contracts but uh, of course when the in winter is uh, they are short uh, they want to buy in from the spot many of the governments have encouraged people don't buy long term while indexation is bad buy short term And those who listen to the governments are now paying the price.
1: Uh, Let's talk about that. And it's interesting you bring up that Singapore itself looks at long-term contracts. Given the situation and circumstance that going long on these contracts like Singapore is doing right now, do you think that's actually the right move at the moment? And of course, it's very uh, important given the fact that Singapore derives about 90 to 95% of all our retail electricity generated from this.
0: Yes, I think it's the right way because uh, oil has the big brother, OPEC. And OPEC it keeps oil in check. So if you are buying index to the price of oil, you will not have that incredible volatility that you would have with natural gas, which went from $2 a million BTU to $30 a million BTU. So within a bit more than a year, 15 times spot prices have gone up. But again, we have to realize that many countries are buying on a contract basis based on oil indexation. So they don't see these this high prices. Who sees the high prices are the Europeans, which buy 100% on the spot basis. And Mr. Putin has told them that, look, you guys, I told you, buy a long-term contract. And you said, no, I want to buy a spot. So don't complain to me now. Mm-hmm. And he's made this point multiple times. The, one of the big factors, uh, as you mentioned, is the policies in Russia are... Uh, Critical, both your political and the question of do the Russians actually have so much additional resources that they can add or not, or are they holding back, waiting for the the new pipeline Nord Stream two to be authorized by the Europeans first before they send the volume in?
1: And that is the big question, right? I mean, if why it's been so difficult for some of these major producers like Russia and Qatar to ramp up supply to meet this, is there something perhaps political behind it also? Or do you think that it really is a matter of, hey, you know, it's not as easy as just turning the faucet on and letting the flows go back out there?
0: Well, you know, what's what's happened is that on the spot prices, European spot prices and Asian spot prices are connected. Mm -hmm. So the European prices have been up several reasons. One is that Europeans have a big carbon tax, 75 U.S. dollars per ton of carbon tax. And so that has added, increased the price of gas. Second is that the supply from Russia, the Russians have existing pipelines which are coming to Europe. The most important one goes through Ukraine, and the Russians have minimized the volume going through Ukraine to Europe because they don't want to be taken hostage by the Europeans, but by the Ukrainians. Ukrainians are asking them for money, and sometimes they may block access. So they want to teach the Ukrainians a lesson and Europeans a lesson, and they say, I bypass This pipeline by Nord Stream 2, Nord Stream 2 has been completed, is waiting for approvals, probably first quarter 2022 scheduled for approvals. The Russians say, if you're short of gas, speed up the approvals. And I get some additional volume into that. I think they are uh, doing this deliberately. And they can add more volumes and cool off the markets.
1: Mm-hmm. And if, as you mentioned, this also connected to Asian spot prices. Um, how much of this is driving the rise in the recent rise in natural gas futures here in Asia? Or do you think it's still more dependent on all that buying power that China says they are pushing into the market at the moment to try and secure these uh, supplies at all costs?
0: Well, you know, in 2021, the demand for LNG has gone up by 25 million tons. It's wow. an amazing number. It's a record number. Big increase. Out of this 25, 50, 17 million tons of it is China alone. So Chinese have a big say in all of these things. So the rest of Asia, 8 million tons. China alone, 17 million tons. So the increase in demand is real, and it is it shows the comeback of the economies. And it's not something that we can control, but combining that one with the carbon tax in Europe, combining it with the Russians withholding volumes into Europe, push the European prices up. Now, European prices should be $2 lower than the Asian prices. At the moment, they are about $7, $8 wow. lower. And this, is, this means that the market, something is wrong, because to transport from Europe to, to Asia is less than $2 a million BTU. So uh, the market is out of balance. But there is also something else to keep in mind, is that the green movement making oil and gas more expensive than it should be. Because they attack the supply, don't produce, don't produce, don't produce. And if you don't produce, the demand is still there. The demand is not disappearing by the green movement. The green movement can only attack the supply side, cannot attack the demand side. Mm -hmm. The demand side would take years and years and years and years to unfold. So all of these pressures to stop supply actually increases the price.
1: We're still meeting Dr. Ferdin Fesharaki, the founder and chairman of FGE, here on FM 89.3 to talk about the recent natural gas shortage. And you have also pointed out in a recent research note, Dr. Fesharaki, that this could actually lead to a potential switch towards oil or other fossil fuels like coal to meet any potential shortages from energy producers across the Northern Hemisphere. It's also a little ironic that the potential switching to oil and coal to cover these shortages is happening around the same time as the COP26 summit, and more pledges to wean the world off of fossil fuels. But as we've seen, perhaps given the fact that it's close to winter this transition into cleaner energy might not be as easy as it looks talk to us about just how complicated this is given what we've learned over the last few months well you know cop-26 is a bit of a vacuum and you know it's heavily driven by the europeans the reality
0: is on the ground when people have to give electricity to the people otherwise they will freeze in winter uh, or they cannot run the factories Nobody is going to stop the factories because COP26 said this and said the other, something else. We have at the moment about 500 to 600,000 barrels per day of new oil demand because people have switched from gas to oil. The coal side, the switch is smaller because people who stay with coal, they don't have the ability to switch back and forth. But Mm -hmm. for the oil side, the ability is very great. That it is five or six hundred thousand, it can go up to eight or nine hundred thousand. And this is one of the reasons the price of oil is higher than expected because of the switch. Because on the gas side, the price equivalent would be about two hundred dollars a barrel as compared to eighty dollars oil. And at some point in time in the past couple of months, the price has reached equivalent to three hundred and fifty dollars a barrel oil equivalent. So gas prices have been so high that basically anybody who could switch has switched. And uh, they're not worried about COP. Uh, what COP 26 says, they're worried about underground supplying electricity to the people who are going f- to freeze at home. So this uh, we, we have to understand again. A lot of COP 26 is in a vacuum. It's not uh, grounded on the real world politics.
1: I do want to talk about the last couple of days because we have seen signs of gas futures starting to come down a bit as supply starts to at least inch towards more normalcy coming from Russia, for instance, and also signs of oil coming down because of worries about the demand softening due to some of these COVID-19 issues. Do you think that the worst is over uh, from the recent surge in uh, oil and gas prices at the moment? Or do you think this is a temporary reprieve given where prices are trading now?
0: I think for between now and end of the year, the prices would be about the same without much coming down. But when we get to the first or second quarter of next year, I think we get oil prices to go down to about $70 a barrel, so about $10 or some less than it is today. But the natural gas prices going from $30 a million to going to about 15 17 but still more than $100 a barrel oil equivalent Because we are getting into a cycle where we're going to be short of gas, between now and 2025, additional volume of gas will be coming after 25. So reprieve after 25, but between now and 25, the gas prices are going to stay high.
1: Why is there going to be a bit of a gas shortage for that prolonged period? Because uh, gas
0: requires FIDs, final investment decision to build LNG plants, in 2016 and 17 we did nothing there were no projects done so six or seven years after that the market is short in 2018 and 19 a lot went under construction so that comes by 25 and that uh, they would have to create a surplus in 25 three years of surplus and then shortage again 29 because of covid and many other reasons people are not building enough lng plants so LNG has a long life oil has a limited life oil will be peaking one way or the other by the early 2030s but natural gas uh, has another 30 easy years to go before it becomes flat and so it goes within cycles if you build it don't build enough then you will have a shortage of demand and at the moment because of covid and uncertainties in the market not enough uh, fids have taken place so they haven't built enough lng plants
1: uh, Dr. Federaki, I do want to ask you about uh, a point you raised in, in your recent research note. And a lot of this, of course, will depend on a winter that many expect will be colder than usual. But let's look at the flip side. And this is a scenario you raised as well. What happens if the winters in the northern hemisphere turn out warmer than usual? Could this actually bring down o- oil and gas prices and also introduce perhaps unwanted volatility into the oil gas markets? Not seen since, well, last year in April when we talked about oil falling to the negative.
0: Well, I don't think you're going to see negative, but we have substantial right. volatility. So if it's going to be a, a warm winter, the price of oil can drop $10, $15 an hour. If it's going to be a warm winter, the price of gas can drop by 30%. The, the issue is that in the northern, uh, Northeast uh, Asia, it's going to be cold. In Southeast Asia and South Asia, it's going to be warm. In Europe, it's likely to be warm. So what happens is that maybe in, in some areas, it will be uh, a cold winter, and pressure to buy. In some areas, there would be a uh, warm winter. Forecasting the uh, weather is harder than forecasting the oil prices. So this is really a very, very dynamic market which can make substantial volatility
1: in the market. Dr. Faridun Fajaraki, founder and chairman of FGE, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3 to help us understand the intricacies of the oil and gas market and how we got to these potential natural gas shortages ahead of what might be a colder northern hemisphere winter. As always, sir, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times. We will look forward to next time you can join us on the show. Meanwhile, stay safe, sir, and we hope you have a great rest of the week ahead. Many thanks. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own
0: investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.